Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is so good to see all of you here today. My name is Dion. I just welcome you to Crossroads. Um, if I have not had a chance to meet you, if you are a guest with us today, um, thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate it. Um, today's an exciting day. Today we are going to be celebrating um, baptism. I will uh, talk about that in just a little bit. I would also like to say good morning to our online family who's joining us. Thank you guys for that. And um, as we get started this morning for our announcements, like I mentioned, we are celebrating baptism today. Um, some of you may have noticed driving by that there's some things going on out on the patio. And uh, what today is all about is the fact that when, when, we, um, when we make a decision to follow Jesus and, and to completely devote our life to him, that, that moment is a moment of celebration. Being able to declare that publicly, kind of just telling the world this is the decision that we have made, um, we do through water baptism. And so we're going to be doing that today. I know we've got like about 20 people who have made that decision. Who I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is fantastic. And so we're going to have that, we're going to be able to baptize them. Um, in their decision process this afternoon, we're going to be celebrating together as friends and family. Um, beforehand, we're going to have a barbecue lunch. We've got hot dogs and hamburgers, and um, a lot of you fine folks are bringing some side dishes and desserts to share. Um, if you're just now hearing about this, or you would like to, to participate and just be part of the group of people um, encouraging and celebrating, you are more than welcome. Um, if you, at the end of service, decide that, you know what, you want to make that decision and you would like to be baptized, but you haven't had a chance to take one of the classes, please do not let that stop you. Um, go ahead and get baptized. And what we'll do is we will follow up with you afterward. We'll make an appointment with Bill or myself and uh, just kind of go through um, what baptism, you know, specifically means, although we're going to be talking about that today. And there is a brochure to be picked up. This is my can of corn. <laughs> I'll tell you guys about that someday. <laughs> um, there is a brochure back at the connections counter. So if you do make that decision after service today, grab one of these brochures. You can fill it out. We'll schedule a time for you. But we're just excited. This is long overdue. We are so thrilled um, to be able to do that. Okay, I think we can pray now. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being able, I don't even know, Lord, the words. You, you love us enough. You've given us a way to you through your son, Jesus Christ. And when we, when we make that decision, when we've heard that good news, when we realize how much we desperately need you and we follow you, that we can celebrate through baptism. So, Lord, we absolutely celebrate each person who is going to be doing that today. As a church, it is our privilege and our desire to walk alongside to help encourage them as they, as they are in their faith journey with you and doing just everything that we can to help them in that process. And so we, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. Um, thank you for every person here today, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Forgive me. I have sinned. Help me to be strong. Be strong.
as I who, who need baptism from you. And yet you come to me. Let it be so. We must fulfill all righteousness. Eternal Father, I hear your voice. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Andrew, Philip. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes unto himself the sins of the world. It is him you must follow now, not me. He must increase, as I must decrease. I love that clip of that movie, that's Jesus of Nazareth, uh, a 30-year-old film, by the way, which I still think is the best uh, presentation of Jesus Christ in his life. Uh, that's in videos. Uh, it, William Barclay was the uh, spiritual advisor for that project, uh, someone who's just deeply respected uh, inside the Christian community uh, for his accuracy uh, and his reliability on Scripture. So uh, the movie, by the way, I was asked last night if we had a copy of it, and uh, all my copies are loaned out, uh, but it is on YouTube, the source of all wisdom and insight. Uh, I was figuring out on YouTube how to prune my grapes yesterday, or thin them. Uh, so it's all there. So if you want to look it up, it is there. Now this, this interaction that we just saw between John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, it, when that took place, at that point, a, a revolution started uh, when John the Baptist baptized an unknown Jewish carpenter from a small village with a poor reputation. That this village, no one was expecting anything to, good to come out of Nazareth. And yet now these two unknown people John had just started his ministry. And oh, by the way, he was not in public places, if you will. He was on the other side of the Jordan. He was in the wilderness. And he was a strange dude. If you read about him, you see his uh, clothes that he was wearing. He, he ate honey and, and locusts for his main diet. Uh, very healthy, all natural. All natural. So you guys that worry about no, no preservatives there. Uh, so that, that was John the Baptist. Now these... These two knew each other. As a matter of fact, uh, when right at, right at the beginning 
when Elizabeth, John's mother, was pregnant, Mary goes to visit her because they're relatives. And because Jesus is now in her womb, John jumps and acknowledges it. And Elizabeth says, how come, this, how come God, the Savior of the world's mother, comes to visit me? And uh, this relationship went on over the years. So when they see each other, uh, they know what's going on because this, they were raised with the knowledge that one would be a prophet. One would be the Messiah, the Savior of Israel. So, so they come and uh, baptized in the wilderness. And, they, and he says, what was, this, what was his criteria? Repent. He's telling his people, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, this kingdom of God. Repent to change one's mind for the better. To change one's mind. To change one's direction. Heartily to amend with abhorrence one's past sins. One of the things that, that, that makes biblical repentance repentance is that we see the damage of sin. We see the damage of sin to ourselves, to our families. But as a Christ follower speaking to those who are here today... We also see the connection of our sins with the cross of Christ. Each sin is nailed to that cross, and he personally and individually pays for our sins and our failures. This, that's, this connection uh, is there, absolutely. Now, 2,000 years later, the revolution that started at that time is still ongoing. It is not going to change. Uh, Jesus coming to be baptized, he was baptized, and he says, because all righteousness has to be fulfilled. Baptism that we're celebrating today is a way to fulfill, if you will, God's command to be baptized. Uh, it is not what saves. We're, we're talking water baptism is a public proclamation of a spiritual reality that we're going to talk about today that takes place in all of us. When we are baptized into Christ and raised again to a new life. That's the reality that we're seeing in water baptism, the spiritual baptism that's there. And, and Jesus tells his disciples to go out and baptize other people. Uh, he sends us out uh, to be baptized inside of the world. And so this is, this is the promise uh, that comes to us. Uh, we're starting a series today, uh, 11 weeks. We're going to cover the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts starts... With Jesus' ascension, that we'll talk about next week. That's the reality that we're talking about. But in that ascension uh, that, that takes place, it follows God through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, working through the disciples, these unlearned, untrained uh, fishermen and ex-tax gatherers, sinners all. They go out and change the world because they now have Christ living in them. They're baptized into Christ. They have a new life that takes place uh, inside of them. And this is, this is the, the, the command that Jesus gives. Uh, he says, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. And he commands his followers to go out and proclaim the truth that is in him. Uh, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been, has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Disciples, simply someone who's learning uh, to do that. Make disciples of, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. You'll hear those words in the baptism today. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, Jesus says, I am with you even to the end of the world. Even in Ridgecrest. Even in Trona. 
and he's even in Inyokern. Yay, thank you. I can mention if you got other time, you know, give me a note. I'll say that next time. And, but when this takes place, when this baptism takes place, there's, some, there's a radical transformation in a human being. We'll talk about this baptism into Christ and raised to a new life. But also, when you do that, we will receive power from the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you. And that will be witnesses. So we will go into the world with the power of the Holy Spirit, making that difference inside of our lives. You know, we will continue to look at this, this transformation. And it started, this revolt, revolution started. Jesus had 12 disciples. On the day of Pentecost, he had 120 on the, at the end of the day of Pentecost, he had 3,000 followers. Then it went from 3,000 to 5,000. And then one year later, there's a million followers of Jesus Christ. The Roman Empire would fall, not to some political uh, movement, but from a movement of the heart as people embrace Christianity. Uh, it, you know, it came and was transformed at that time. We'll see that in the book of Acts. But again, this, this baptism that takes place into Christ is this transformation in, inside of our lives. Now, this, these are, if, there, if you want, two key verses that we're going to be focusing on and really the foundation of Christianity. Do you not know, says the Apostle Paul, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, the baptism just means to be buried, so when we have a spiritual baptism into Christ, it means we're buried in Christ, and then we rise again. We die in Christ, we come back to what? Christ's life in us. And so the life that we will lead uh, out of that, uh, just as Christ was raised from the dead to, by the glory of God, we too can walk in the newness of life. And this next verse is one of my life verses, I think one of the most important verses, clearest verses, if you will, in the Bible. What really takes place? I've been crucified with Christ. Now, his disciples knew exactly what crucifixion was. They had seen hundreds, probably thousands of Jews nailed to crosses for a, lo a long, slow, agonizing death. So when, when he says, I've been crucified with Christ, they understood that. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This transformation of my old life being laid down, and a new life as, that I'm being raised to in Jesus Christ. It's spiritual baptism that we're talking about in the old life. Galatians 22 could not make it clear. Now, this is baptism, and, and we're going to spend some time talking about the spiritual baptism into Christ. And so I want to uh, start with the good news. There, there's good news here as Christ Jesus when we become a Christian, we become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. This is my favorite example. This is a 1927 Ford Model A. Uh, when it was first put out, it had 40 horsepower. On a, on a steep downhill, it could get to 60 miles an hour. Now, this one is the same frame. It, it's, it, it's the, it, it is a Model A. There's... there's one thing different. It may be a little obvious. Everything under the hood is different. The, the power of it has been totally transformed. 
This is what we're talking about. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. If Christ, the new engine, the new power is in us, it's the hope of glory. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and drives me. You will receive power, 400 horsepower, that will allow you to go 400 miles an hour. That's, that's I don't know about you. That's performance change. I would love to have that car, but it would just kill me to only drive around town in first gear. <laughs> it, it, I mean, isn't it just once you'd like to have that and go, oh yeah, here we go. I had a, I had a friend of mine who was a little bit crazy that took his motorcycle out on, on the other side of Trona to see how fast he could go, and he chickened out at 130. Uh, yeah, he's still alive. Uh, but what we're talking about is something everybody wants. In our culture today, we want a new life. Book after book after book, encouraging us to reinvent ourselves, to be a better you. 60 graduating classes have encouraged us to turn around and to have this high self-image of ourselves, to actualize ourselves in everything we do. Uh, this is what culture wants. I want to, actually, and the truth is it never stops. We all want to be better. And, and this is what Jesus Christ offers us. It's the good news that he offers each person, that we can be transformed, old things can pass away, and all things can become new. Uh, we'll talk about what that looks like and the process of that. But it's a radical change. As, as followers of Christ, we're a new creation that's the truth that's inside of us. So, so what, is that, what does that look like as we do that? We act differently. We think differently. We look at life differently. We treat other people differently because we have a new core, a new understanding, a moral center inside of each of our lives in Jesus Christ. And so what transforms is we're tagging this series, Acting Out. Now, uh, Acting out is a very popular term in culture. Most parents will know exactly what acting out means. Acting out, to behave badly or in socially unacceptable, often self-defeating manners. Now, parents, we, by the way, if you, go to, if you don't understand what acting out is, after the service, go to Walmart. <laughs> You'll see some really great examples of acting out uh, there. To behave badly, uh, venting painful emotions. Now, that's acting out of our natural self and our natural flesh. And again, there's, it's, there's a, I have a history of acting out before I became a follower of Christ. Sadly, I haven't completely snuffed out the old nature. Uh, I have a new one, but now acting out as a Christian, here's what I want. I want to, and each follower of Christ here would have this pattern, uh, is to behave as Jesus would in our lives our successes, our trials, our failures, and in our relationships with others. We want to have Jesus this, I've been crucified with Christ, he now lives in me. I want him to act out in my life. When, when people see me uh, at Walmart, when they see me driving down 395, patiently enduring campers, uh, I want to act out Jesus. I want him to see that inside of my life. 
when I interact with my wife. I want her to see Jesus Christ in me. Each, each person, that's, that's our desire. We can bring the ugly me or we can bring the Jesus me. And the bottom line is that our relationship, our personal relationship with Jesus Christ defines everything we do, specifically our relationships. If Christ is in us and the Holy Spirit is now living in us, we live Christ as best we can. We still sin, we still fall short. Uh, there's times when we flesh out. But that's, that's not uh, the goal or anything else that's understood inside of our lives. So what, what actually transforms? And this, I'm just going to list some good news. I'm going to do it kind of quickly uh, because there's dessert and food waiting for us uh, when we get through here. Uh, first off, what happens when we become a Christ follower? He lives in us, but we get every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, don't misunderstand or, or, or misconstrue this. This is different than every other religion every other philosophy, every other approach to the spiritual or even the non-spiritual. When we become a Christ follower, Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And, and what, what that means is, despite my behavior, I am playing with a full deck. And because blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us, this is past tense, completed deed for every follower of Christ. He has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, past tense, completed. I have that in me. Every follower of Christ that's sitting here today who's, who's been baptized and raised in Christ has this. This is the reality that we walk in. Uh, so what does that do for us? He chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. That's his goal. He predestined us to be adopted uh, to himself as sons and daughters. God so loved, he gave his son. If we just would believe, we'll have eternal life. These promises are just up front. So it's acting out, again, as a Christian, under that context, with all those spiritual blessings, we have the power and the ability to live Christ in each one of these. So that, that is inside of us. We also have, the, with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit come. These are uh, empowerments. This is the nature of Christ living in us. And again, this is living inside of us. We have love. Not, not selfish love that we negotiate, but totally sacrificial love. This is God's love. We have joy, not happiness, on the circumstances and the situations. We have a joy even in trials. We have peace in a world right now that has no peace. I don't know if you've read the news lately. There's no peace in this world, and, and it's spiraling down in almost into chaos, I believe. But we can have peace, not, not as the world gives, but as Christ gives inside of our lives. We can have patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful. We can have self-control, not out of our power, but because of Christ living in us, inside of our lives. We can have those gifts with Christ and the Holy Spirit in us. We can also have gifts, the ability to carry out God's power, spiritual gifts, uh, multiple kinds of spiritual gifts that each member becomes, receives inside of their lives. Each has received a gift Use it to serve one another as a good stewards of God's grace, uh, that God can be glorified. The whole body is fitted and joined together. The body of Christ is one body, and, the, and the, not this body, 
This is part of the body of every believer in the world today. That's the body of Christ functioning in the world. If you want to see Christ uh, moving in the world through its gifts, turn off the political wah-wah that goes on and go read Christian news. Watch the poor being fed. Watch people risking their lives to tell people about Christ. Watch people being martyred for their faith. Watch the hungry being fed, babies being protected. Go see what God is doing in this world. It's through the gifts of the people and the power through the Holy Spirit that then indwells in us. This is, this is a gift to each of us. Each one has that. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a spiritual gift that should be used inside the body of Christ. We're a volunteer-run church. You know, and, and we have needs. So I encourage anyone that wants to serve to serve. If you don't serve here, serve somewhere and let God's power work through you. The next area that is a gift to us, we are taught the truth of God through the Spirit of God. When we become a, a Christian, Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and he becomes a teacher. He speaks to us. When he comes, he'll guide you into all truth. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and we will come. He and the Holy Spirit will make our home in him. This is God's promise. I, uh, I, I can't overstate this, and I have to be careful here, but in the morning is my time with God. My time with God. Now, isn't that selfish? It's all about me. It, it is time that I stop and listen as carefully as I can. A brain-damaged, sin-ridden uh, ex-marine uh, following Christ to hear the voice of God in my life to hear his plan for me to hear his truth you know I, 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 I pray and listen I open the Bible expecting and receiving God speaking to me applying what's in the scripture to my life this is something that every follower of Christ has the ability to do and amazingly, and, and I say this amazingly, he tells us things that we would not know otherwise. We're, we're, Jesus in, in Jeremiah says, call to me and I will tell you great and wonderful things that you did not know. That comes from the Holy Spirit. I was, I'm finishing up Revelation today, not finishing it, I'm, I'm at ninth, chapter 20, and so I've got a couple more chapters. But I'm interested, I'm focused on end times because I think we're living in them. So I want to hear what God says. And so today I was studying the bride of Christ and this body of Christ coming up. Said, he's going to rule on earth for a thousand years. Get that down. But he's going to come back and set up his real kingdom here on this earth. And so I was just studying it today. And I, I, think, I think God gave me some insight. I think the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear some things about the end times. How exciting is that uh, taking place? That's that there. Now, how do we know? The Holy Spirit's in us. How do we know Christ is living in us? The promise is that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. We're told that God is at work in each of his followers to will and to work his good pleasure. So we can look inside and see evidence of the Holy Spirit inside of our lives. And this list we have on the back is called evidence. Uh, because if Christ is in us and we're acting out Christ. We'll have a growing love for God, because Jesus does. We'll have a growing love for others. We'll strive to obey God's commandments. We'll know we'll have the peace that we're going to heaven when we die. 
These are all evidences that are there. We'll grow in maturity. We'll want to fulfill our purposes. The fruit of our tree will be transformed. We are not, no one here is complete in Christ. We're not done. But there's something in our life that grows, that, that we act and react differently in certain situations. You know, we're growing and maturing in Christ. We're building up that strength. You know, it's kind of like going to the gym. I don't know about you, but uh, for years I've gone to the gym and I'm, uh, I got a new shoulder put in, so I'm back lifting weights and stuff like that. And once in a while I'll be out there and I'll go out in the garage and, and work out for a while and I'll come in and I'll look in the mirror. A little bump. A little bump comes. The guns are growing. Huh? Huh? They're there. But they're growing. It isn't anything that I would put in Muscle Magazine. But there's growth. You see, that's this evidence. It, it's, it's the, it isn't the exterior that we see. It's a desire in our heart. I have a desire to love other people as Christ does. A follower of Christ has, has, a, has a growing love for others. We strive to keep God's commandments. We don't want to sin anymore. These are ongoing. This is the transformation that we see. The engine inside of us is transformed so that we start, we start building ourselves up in Christ. This is the picture that is there. Uh, now, one of the things that is common to followers of Christ is a radical transformation. We're going to have some evidences of that today. One of the young ladies, a friend of mine, that's going to kind of tell her story so you'll be able to see it and understand through someone else what the transformation looks like. Let's watch her story. Hi, um, my name is Brienne. Uh, on Easter Sunday, Bill had shared some of my testimony, and today I want to share my whole testimony. My whole life was filled with a whole lot of traumas, um, and so I kind of became a victim to it, and a lot of the time I sought, many times I sought secular therapy, and it just taught me to blame others for my problems and the way I turned out. So pretty much 30 years of my life, I placed blame on my childhood and the way I was raised. I put a lot of my focus on myself and my outer appearance and something that I thrived on was other people's opinions of me and I, I wanted compliments and to be, you know, self-gratified and oh, I was really obsessed with myself and I fell into a really deep depression and I turned to alcohol. I was a slave to it. I even began day drinking. It's not something I'm proud of. One day my two-year-old daughter asked me if I was gonna take a shot and my heart sunk. I was so low that I began, I began to contemplate suicide. I was lost on a path of destruction, and I was, the worst part was I, ta I was taking my babies with me. During this time, my sister and brother-in-law were bringing study guides from Crossroads. One of the study guides I noticed, there's a phone number, and I saw that Crossroads offers free biblical counseling. And you see, 
my whole life I claimed that I was Christian. I went to a few different churches in town, but truly I was following a movement where I sought an emotional experience and I wasn't, I, I wasn't seeking a personal relationship with Jesus. I didn't really know him, but when God called me to seek guidance, I obeyed and I made my, my first point with Bill. And he told me that my problem was a love problem and I didn't know Jesus. He gave me a copy of the Radical Cross, told me to read it alongside Ephesians and Matthew. And my whole life changed because Jesus brought me to the cross and I understood the sacrifice he made for me on the cross. And I never want to willfully hurt him again. So on June 24th, 2020, I surrendered my life to Jesus and I've chosen to pick up my cross and follow him every day for the rest of my life. And I finally found my identity in Jesus. I don't seek other people's opinions because only his opinion matters to me anymore. I'm no longer the woman I was two years ago and I've been completely transformed. My old life died with Jesus on the cross. It truly did. I'm new and I vow, I vow to honor and glorify him with my life, with all that I do for the rest of my life. And I just want to thank everybody for listening to my testimony and what Jesus did for me and saved my life and the radical change that he has made in my family's lives. Thank you. How cool is that? This is the new life and the transformation. Uh, I have, and many here have, had the privilege and the honor of being transformed by the power of God. But we've also got to watch other people transformed by the power of God. Just the, the reality, and, and one of the statements in there, the attending church, and think, we're thinking, I thought I was a Christian when I was 33. I thought I was so cool. Well, I really was cool in the world eyes. I heard that laugh. Uh, I was cool in the world's eyes and in my eyes, but I wasn't cool in God's eyes. I was a sinner claiming to be a Christian and having cl no clue as to what it meant to go to the cross of Christ, to be transformed inside of him. Uh, the Radical Cross, by the way, is a book that I strongly recommend to people. If people come in, I will often offer it to them. I, we have extra copies in the back. Pick it up. If you take them all, make a list. We'll get you more. Uh, it's a book worth reading because it talks about biblical Christianity as compared to cultural Christianity that's too often practiced inside of our world. So, but this is, this is the goal. Christ shows his love for us while we were still sinners, while we were sinners. Uh, Christ came to save sinners. Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified, justified means just as if we've never sinned. We've been, just, we've been made just as if we've never sinned by his blood, his payment. How much more shall we be saved by him uh, for the, from the wrath to come? He bore our sins on the cross. He, he paid for each and every one of them. God made us alive together with him, forgiving our sins, canceling the debt. This, he becomes a propitiation, there's a word, which means 
propitiation means he's a sacrifice. He stood where we belonged and took the punishment for each of our sins. This is a, this is a, this is a gift beyond understanding. All the other religions of the world ask us to die and give our lives and serve and earn and all this other stuff without merit. We stand by faith in Christ's death forgiven. And, and, and in that process, uh, a new life, a new life is, is raised up. This is not religious dogma. These are, this is not a philosophy of a religious leader or, or, or a group of people. This, the resurrection, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the proof that he was the son of God in the flesh is historically established. There is no doubt that the miracles he did, the, the teachings that he did, the events in his life, all of them are documented by people who sealed their testimony in blood. These are historical events that we can count on. So wh what is the what is the response to this? Well, it's love. Christianity is based first and foremost on love. That, that it's the most important commandment, that we love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. This is this new core inside of us. This is the new uh, reality that lives is based on love. It's, it, it's it, you know, again, we as a culture think of mushy-gushy when we come to love. But marriage, by the way, mushy and gushy wears out real quick. Real love perseveres under trials and hardships. Real love continues to serve whether we feel like it or not. Real love is laying our lives down for the other person, having his interest above ours. We're told to have the same attitude that Christ had when he was here on earth. He was God, but he lays his life down for us. This is the attitude that we have. You know, therefore, brothers, this is the response. This is the most radical and rational thing we can do when we understand the love of God is to lay our lives down. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That, by the way, this living sacrifice is what baptism signifies. The laying down of our life and the raising up to the new life in Christ. Uh, I'm writing to you that, that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus. We, it's a rational response to such love to lay our lives down, to, appropriate, to his, his sacrifice. We repent, we turn, to, to turn away from sin. Now, this is something that we live in a culture that terms like cheap grace hyper grace. You can send up a storm and God will forgive you. Don't worry about sin. It was paid for 2,000 years ago. Yes, it was. But your choices and my choices each day to sin are nailed to the cross of Christ and he personally pays for them. How can someone who loved Christ stand in front of the cross and say, no biggie, take that one. That's not the way it works. This, this sacrifice, this repentance and turning from our sins is totally incomplete. And this demonstration of our love for God carries over, obviously, into our love for other people. The other, the other, most people are familiar with John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. The other uh, uh, John 3, 16 is 1 John. We know love 
that he laid down his life for us. So we ought to lay our lives down for other people. If we have the ability to help someone else, how can we not? I'm not talking about enabling. I'm not talking about uh, all this other stuff. I'm talking about literally helping other people. If we have the ability of financial ability, physical ability, uh, social, just to visit someone, if we have the ability, we should do that. That's, uh, how can we not? How can we say God's love's abide in us? Uh, let us not uh, love in the world or talk, just talk about it, but indeed, in truth, we love because he first loves us. If we say we love God and, and we don't love our brother enough to serve him and our sisters, well, we're not telling the truth. Despite all the hype about us being good people, we're not. Abraham Maslow lied to this culture, and we have been seeking a high self-image, self-actualization, self-realization. The truth is we are sinners, and, and we need a Savior. And that's what Christ comes to. We have to experience it inside of our lives. We have to experience all of Christ. And we don't get to save any part of our life that is there. Jesus tells his disciples, if you want to come after him, deny ourselves, take up our cross. And again, they knew exactly what that meant. And follow me. If we try and save one part of our lives, we're going to lose it all. Uh, I use this example uh, because it was so powerful to me. When, when knights, uh, Knights Templar and other knights and other uh, people going to war in the Crusades, they would be baptized before they went. And as they were going out, they would grab their sword and hold it above the water so that they were baptized, but their sword was not. And the result of that in the Crusades is a shame put upon the name of Christianity. The, the literally millions of Jews who were slaughtered unnecessarily and Muslims, women, children, babies slaughtered by these swords that were not baptized. That's brutal. And everyone here goes, Ugh, that's terrible. So Jesus is clear. Is there anything we're not putting under the water? Is it a relationship? Is it pride? inside of ourselves? Is it a doctrinal sticking point inside of our lives? What, what is the thing that we're holding above the water that keeps us from totally giving our lives to Christ? That's, that's baptism. It is total. It is radical. It is life-changing. He offers that to each of us, each of the spiritual blessings that are there. You know, the truth is this, this baptism, he sends us out. It's a revolution that has changed millions of lives. We have many testimonies of that inside of, our, inside of our church here today. All authority has been given. He tells us to go baptize. And, and this isn't just rhetoric. This is a loving command to baptize, to go to those who are perishing and are dying and tell them that Christ died for them. Our honor to do that. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that, that you, in your love, your grace, and your mercy have sent us with the message of grace to this world. And that you've transformed our lives, that you invite each of us to be buried into Christ and to be raised to a new life. Lord, as we celebrate that today, we thank you that you'll be fully present. Uh, for those here today that are, that are struggling 
and, and they know what you want them to do. And yet they're struggling to find the courage to do it. Thank you that you by your spirit will continue to knock on the doors of their heart until they open that door and let you in. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your patience. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. And okay, the drill, the fun. There are donuts to sustain until the food gets here, and the food will be served out on the patio. Please, you're invited to stay. We'll have tables set up out there, tables in here. And then after we've eaten, uh, we'll have baptism. So please join us for that. We'll see you next week. We talk about the ascension of Christ in the heaven uh, after his time here on earth. Thanks for being here.